What up, everybody? You're now tuned into the true definition of a sports fanatic. I'm your host, Brandon Lampley, and uh, it's it's been a it's been a long week and a half, two weeks, people. I mean, with the COVID-19, the coronavirus, Trump talking about he's um, great at science and he should have pursued science over uh, pursuing being the president. Now, from stars like Idris Elba to Tom Hanks to Kevin Durant, uh, Rudy Gobert, um, so many cases of the coronavirus popping up. And I truly believe it's going to get worse before it gets better because people just been stupid. You've been told to have social distancing and stay six feet from people and stay out of large crowds and mass gatherings of more than 10 people, which is which was which is what's funny about that is, is when they announced about staying out of social gatherings and um, crowds of 10 or more people, when they announced that it was like 16 people on the stage when they announced it. So, you know, go figure. But now we have no sports. Everything's pretty much has been canceled. So there's no live sports on, no games being played. Um, still sports news because moves are being made. Um, one thing that has, I mean, just saved me from my sports uh, withdrawal is NFL free agency. Roger Goodell came out. They made sure to let them know that everything is being moved forward. Now, they, of course, they're going to operate differently because of the concerns of the virus, but they've moved forward with free agency. Guys are moving teams. Guys are being traded. They're still going forward with the draft in April. Uh, the NBA is doing their calculations right now, and I think they looked at how much money they were going to lose, and um, they're trying to get back sometime during the summer to get these playoffs started because uh, you, you, you can't can't they don't want to cancel the whole thing, and I understand that. Now, college has canceled everything. They're not going to pick up the NCAA tournament uh, now. And um, majority of those, I think all those guys are going to, if, especially if you're a senior or you're at the end of your eligibility, or even if you were, no matter what year you were, you're going to get another year of eligibility because the season was cut short due to the virus. But on you know, first deep dive into this NFL news and the big story, the big headline uh, was – Tom Brady going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That was a big headline. The most shocking headline, because I wasn't shocked about that. Um, the most shocking headline was DeAndre Hopkins going to the Arizona Cardinals for some hot chips, some toilet paper, and some hand sanitizer. Because that's basically what they gave up for him. You gave they gave him David Johnson and a second round pick. David Johnson hasn't been productive since like 2016 or 2017. I don't know what Bill O'Brien is doing in Houston, but somebody got to get Deshaun Watson out of there. He's going to waste that young man. He's going to waste his talent because they still haven't put a competent offensive line in front of him, which is why he's going to stay getting beat up. Now you're you've taken away his number one go-to option, probably the best, one of the best, if not the best receiver in the game. So I, that's, I, I'm not understanding what they're doing and just the moves they made in general, because now he's the acting GM. But, dude, he cannot run a team. He's operating as if he's Belichick. And it's it's not it's not going to work. It's not going to work now. You would think the Jaguars are in the cellar of the AFC South. And they are. And until proven otherwise, that's where they're going to be. But Houston, they're just there. I mean, they're barely right above us. The only thing that puts them above us in my eyes right now is Deshaun Watson. That's it. But let's talk about Tom Brady. Now, as far as where Tom Brady went, which was Tampa Bay, 
uh, surprised me a little bit because I thought it would either be the Chargers or maybe the Colts or something like that. I didn't think it would be Tampa Bay. Um, even though Tampa Bay is a way more, it's, it's more attractive than I initially thought because I knew they had, you know, those two dynamic wide receivers. You have um, at least one and a half tight ends. Don't know how good O.J. Howard is going to be, but so far he's been okay. I think he can't be better. I think with Brady, he might have a really good breakout season next year. Um, their offensive line, according to some sources, is better than I thought it was. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. And they're defensively, they're not, especially on the back end, their issue is that secondary. They can get after the quarterback, but that secondary is trash. I mean, you cut your starting corner halfway through the season in Vernon Hargraves. Uh, but I, I I don't know. But Brady saw something attractive there. Um, with I like Bruce Aries, the head coach, and they got my guy, Byron Leftwich, former Jaguar, down as the OC, uh, which I wish – we would have got rid of the guys here in Jacksonville and I would have seriously have given Byron a look at head coach, but you know, I guess that's, that's a fantasy right now. But as far as Brady and his relationship with the Patriots and him leaving new England, I mean, I call that dude almost a year ago. You can go back and listen to my, like my first couple of episodes. And I talked about that um, because I had heard the rumblings after 2017 about them wanting to move on with Jimmy Garoppolo and they were in talks. Bill Belichick, I guess was in talks with the San Francisco 49ers with them acquiring Tom Brady. Cause that's who they initially were going after, not Jimmy Garoppolo. So the owner of the Patriots, Robert Crabb came in and he nixed the deal. He told him, say, no, Tom Brady staying here and you need to get rid of Garoppolo. So he gave Garoppolo away, I believe, out of spite because you were forcing him to do something he didn't want to do because he could have gotten more than a second-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. And so San Francisco said he called him up, said, hey, um, Brady's not available anymore, but are y'all interested in uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? And they said, yeah, what you want for him? Second-round pick, sign me up, shipped him off. And ever since then, I think that – it that relationship was already kind of icy because Tom, they say Tom just wants love, but Belichick doesn't do love. This is a business. Nobody is above the cut. Peyton Manning got cut. Uh, what Joe Montana got cut. Dude, it, it doesn't matter. Nobody's above the cut. And because of that, Tom Brady supposedly didn't feel loved and whatnot. So when he found out that Garoppolo, they wanted to move forward with Garoppolo and get rid of him, that was the end of the relationship right there. But what drove it home that last season was his last um, season in New England was when he went on the Greg Hill show. It was like in the middle, the beginning to the middle of the season. And anytime I've heard Tom Brady talk in an interview, he was always so confident, so stoic. And him talking about playing until he's 45 and all of that. He's, he's always kind of been the same guy. But in that Greg Hill interview, he sounded different. He sounded like somebody who sees the end coming, a man who sees that um, soon that he's no longer going to be playing football and that his time in New England was probably up. I mean, if you ever get a chance, go back and I'm um, pretty sure they got it somewhere. It was YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever. Look up the Greg Hill show and look up that Tom Brady interview and just hear how he talks. And so that drove it home for me. I said, oh, he's done in New England. It's over. They're moving forward.
And I understand it from Belichick's perspective too, because think about it. Belichick has had a, had a, I mean, a almost like a talent for figuring out when a guy was about to be done. And he always moved off of guys right before they were about to be done. A lot of teams either do it way too early or they do it way too late, but he's always got it right there where the guy still has some juice left and he's able to flip him or ship him off for some assets and the guy can still play maybe another year or two. And then, you know, he either retires or, you know, falls off a cliff. And so it's the same thing with all of his um, players. Tom Brady's no exception. So one of the things about Tom with Tom and Bill is that Bill has always seen Tom as just another player. He doesn't see him like us, the public, see him. Whether you like or hate Tom Brady, he's probably the greatest of all time. I mean, you argue about, you know, Joe Montana, whoever, but he's probably the greatest of all time. And he's the greatest of all time in my eyes. But that's not how Belichick views him. Belichick views him as just another piece to a puzzle. He's a big piece, but it's just another piece. And that piece can be replaced. And so because of that, him and Tom Brady, they always had an icy relationship. And it is what it is. I mean, Belichick has earned the right to move on from Brady and try to win with somebody else. Because all his success has seemed to be tied to him having Brady. Now, I think he's the greatest coach of all time. And he's a mastermind, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And probably a mastermind in managing egos and managing players and managing coaches. But for him, he's earned he's earned that right. He's earned that. And then Brady's earned the right to go see if he can win without Belichick. Now, personally, I don't think he's going to go far in Tampa Bay. Now, can he lead them to the playoffs? Yes. But talking about winning a Super Bowl in Tampa with Tampa, I'd be sh- I'm going to be shocked if they win the Super Bowl while he's in Tampa. Because and not because he's not, you know, they're not good enough or because you can build a team and put pieces around him. If you got the quarterback in place, uh, you put the pieces around him and you can win football games. But no, the fact that the fact that nobody's really talking about he's 43 and he clearly declined last year. He's not the same Tom Brady. Now, when he was when Belichick was going to trade him in 2017, he won the Super Bowl after that. He won the Super Bowl. They went to two Super Bowls. They won one and they lost one. And so people are like, well, why would he want to get rid of him when he can still clearly can still play and you still won the Super Bowl with him? Because you get rid of him right before they fall off that cliff and they still have something left. And so, like, from from Lawyer Malloy, Lawyer Malloy played, I think, after he left New England and he traded, he because he traded Lawyer Malloy after their first Super Bowl, he traded him to the Bills. And Lauren Malloy played um, for the Seahawks. He played for the Falcons and still could play some football, but he was not the same player he was in New England. Same with Richard Seymour. Same with Vince Woolfork. Like, uh, same with Mike Rabel, who's now coaching the Titans. He traded him to the Chiefs. Now, there's only one player that he traded who I think was a mistake, but one of the reasons they traded him was not because he was declining. It was because the type of money he wanted, they didn't want to pay him and I think they should have probably paid him anyway, and that's Chandler Jones, the defensive end for the Arizona Cardinals. Chandler Jones is a beast, and he's been a beast since he left New England, and I'm pretty sure he has like five more years of really, really high production. Like, that's really the only miss 
I see with them as far as him letting a player go and him going flourishing somewhere else. But Belichick, to me, seems like a man that understands you don't mix business and pleasure. You don't mix uh, the business with personal relationships. And I talked about it before, how if you pay attention to especially quarterbacks with certain owners and the relationship they all build with owners and how sometimes the relationships that owners and quarterbacks have will kind of trump that head coach. I mean, just go back and look at the weird relationships owners have had with quarterbacks and how it's kind of put the, the coach, head coach in no man's land. Because when the quarterback has an issue, all he's going to do is go over the head coach's head and go straight to the owner who runs the team. And that can lead to a really bad dynamic. I mean, look how toxic it was in Washington with RG3. RG3 and Dan Snyder, that, that was his guy. And so he always went over Mike Shanahan's head to go and air out his grievances with his head coach to the owner. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was tension in that building every day. Same thing went on in Dallas with Tony Romo and um, Jerry Jones. Tony Romo nickname was Tony Romo Jones because he was like a surrogate son. And so what, what did it do? It undermined the head coach because he all, they always go over the head of the coach and go straight to the owner to air out whatever grievances. And so I'm sure that's what was going on in New England. Robert Kraft and Tom Brady had a very close personal relationship. I told you, even t- anytime you listen to him talk about Tom Brady, told you it's so weird because he calls him Tommy. And so it sounds so weird. Just go listen to that. It sounds weird. And I'm pretty sure Robert Kraft's and Bill Belichick relationship has been icy because you're not allowing me to do my job and do what I see is best for this organization, this franchise moving forward and trying to keep somebody because of your personal relationship and your feelings towards them. And so I'm, I'm sure that caused a rift between them. But Robert Kraft sees the writing on the wall. Tom Brady's 43. He's not going to be playing much longer. Belichick can coach for another 10 to 15 years. So if you're going to choose one, you choose the coach, not the player who's a depreciating asset. But that's really all I have to say on that situation, man. I'm looking forward to seeing Tom Brady with Tampa Bay and whoever Belichick chooses as Brady's successor going forward. I mean, if nothing else, it's going to be great TV and great theater for next football season. I mean, expect because they haven't they haven't rolled out the schedule yet as far as who's going to get primetime games. And they're getting ready to do that. Once free agency settles, they're going to do that. Expect to see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in about probably no 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 more than probably about four primetime games and no least than two. Because they they're going to put Tom Brady out front and promote him on this new team. It's going to happen. And then, you know, New England, of course, they're going to be on primetime games because people are going to want to see, especially who he goes forward with. Like, if he goes and get, say, a Jameis, or if he goes and get Cam Newton, or even if he goes and get Andy Dalton out of Cincinnati, people are going to want to see how they do and how they coexist without one another. Now, on to another another story. Well, I would say not another story, but multiple stories. I mean, I mean, guys have been moving, teams have been moving people. I mean, I just saw not too long, right before I recorded this, uh, Nick Foles was traded to the Chicago Bears for a fourth-round pick. And, dude, I, I like it. 
I feel like that's the win for the Jaguars this offseason. You sign uh, the middle line, the linebacker from uh, the Browns and Joe Schobert, uh, who's, you know, a good player, decent player, and it solves our, you know, issues at linebacker. As um, long as we build some depth up behind him and Miles Jack, um, I think we'll be good. But getting Nick Foles, you know, off the books and moving him, having him move on and not have him breathing down Gardner Minshew's neck and basically you're naming Gardner Minshew the starter at least for next year and giving him a fighting chance to see if he's going to be the guy. And I think he can be. Who knows if he will be because there's so many factors, but I feel like if you're good, you're good. And if you're if it's meant for you to be here and for you to flourish, and he will do so. But I I don't trust this coaching staff in front office. I don't because I think I feel like they should have been fired. But at least they made one good move, and it's a win for our offseason. Trade Nick Foles, and now we can move forward with the 11 picks we have in the draft. But enough about the Jaguars because I get angry just thinking about it and how they done messed up. My pimp hand starts to tingle, and I want to slap somebody. Besides, you know, it's a lot of free agents who moved, uh, guys who I thought the Jaguars would have been interested in, and when I seen what they signed for, I was kind of glad that they weren't interested in them. Uh, one was Austin Hooper. You know Austin Hooper is good. I think he was force-fed the ball in Atlanta, and he's not going to be force-fed the ball now in Cleveland, and now he's the highest-paid tight end. So, I and Byron Jones, which I like Byron Jones, but he, he's he got top corner money to go to Miami. And now I think they got like $100 million tied up in two corners. Well, not $100 million, but probably about $50 million. Well, no, it's about $100 million. I'll say $100 million total guaranteed dollars tied up into two players. But even though they're going to be good, Especially if they can get at the rush the passer, you're gonna have guys on the back end who can lock it down. And just imagine if they had to kept Mika Fitzpatrick back there to go along with these two lockdown corners. Which man, but that wouldn't work no way because for whatever reason, Flores and Minka Fit, Fit Minka Fitzpatrick couldn't get along. Uh, another shocking move, man, was uh Jarrell Casey, the I think he's a five time pro bowler. Defensive tackle for the Tennessee Titans, who I know well because he wrecked the Jaguars every time we play him. But they shipped him off to Denver for a seventh-round pick. I thought we got, you know, minimal compensation for Calais Campbell, who can still play at 33. But to only get a seventh-round pick for Jarrell Casey, I'm very shocked about that. But him, them moving on from him, lets me know that their defensive tackle from Mississippi State, the rookie Jeffrey Simmons last year, who's coming off ACL tear, that lets me know that they have the utmost confidence that he is going to be great. And already he looks like a beast. In other current news, i um, just seeing some stuff come through um, across social media. Dante Fowler signing with the Atlanta Falcons. And he got a three-year deal. I knew the Rams probably wasn't going to be able to keep him because he was going to command a pretty big salary. So I think that's the first domino as far as defensive ends and pass rushers um, signing. Uh, right, I saw a report that Jadavian Clowney was not happy with the market that um, he supposedly has and what people are offering him right now because he's looking for that big payday. He's looking to cash out. He doesn't like the current offers he's been getting. 
which is understandable. I understand those um, who have reservations about paying him big money. Um, from I mean, for a guy who I mean, he balled out in Seattle. Don't get me wrong, he balled out, and when he wants to be, he can wreck a game and be a game wrecker. But you know, I understand the reservations in them. You know, probably lowballing him in his mind. Um, the same with Yannick Ngakwe. Look what Jack Jacksonville is doing to Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, young 24-year-old pass rusher, 37 and a half sacks. I think he has like 16 to 17 forced fumbles. That's I think that's number one in the league since he's been in. He's been directly responsible for six of our 12 defensive touchdowns since 2016. And you hear fans and media like talking about, oh, but he doesn't play the run well. Fool, he gets paid to knock down the quarterback. Uh, great pass rushers have always been told, play the run on the way to the quarterback. While you're getting after the quarterback and you see the ball carrier with the ball, tackle him. Cool if you do. Eh, if you don't, we got linebackers and DBs for that. But get to the quarterback and put him on the ground. That is his job. And he's very good at it. One, one of the reservations, too, is they're not trying to pay 20, 21, 22 mil a year which is what some of these guys are seeking. I don't know what Jadavian is seeking, but I know Yannick was supposedly looking at 20, 21, 22 million a year. Some people think that's too much. Um, and well, I got into a debate um, with some coworkers, and I was telling them, I was like, getting paid, these guys getting paid money and getting paid top dollar, it's not about who's the best. And it's never been about who's the best. It's about who's up for a new contract right now. I mean, think about it. Look at Kirk Cousins. Has Kirk Cousins at any point in his career been the top quarterback in the league? No, he hasn't. You can you can make an argument it ain't even been close. But he's been paid twice as far as the most money by a quarterback in the league. Uh, same with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's never been the top QB in the league, but he's been paid like it twice. Look at Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill got top QB money. Tannehill has never been a top QB to me, but he's up next. Look at Matt Stafford. He's gotten top QB money. He's never been a top QB to me. It's all about who's up next and who's next in line. It's not about who's the best. And it's always, contracts are always based on what you've done in the past, but more importantly, what you're going to do for me in the future. And that's how, you know, that's how teams quantify it. Um, now, one thing I will say is that even with this free agency and everything moving, the players are going to come to regret signing that CBA. That And then they sign the CBA, and it's going to be in effect until 2030. So you got basically 10 years on this new CBA. And they're going to regret this because I think the, I think it passed with uh, within 65 votes or something like that. Then you had 500 players who didn't vote at all. And that's just, that's piss poor because it just shows me you don't care about your future. You just care about the next biscuit. You care about what's here now and not what's going to go on in the future. Because, okay, so what are the positives? You won't get um, suspended for testing positive for drugs anymore. Uh, you um, get, I think, 1.5% more in the league revenue sharing because they went from 47% to 48.5%. Um, you get less padded practices. So, I'm, you know, that's what they got. But let's compare what they got to what they gave up and what they could have gotten. 
Right, so now that you know the highlights of what they did get, what did they give up? They gave up that 17th game. Now, if you're about player safety, at no point should there ever been any discussion about adding a regular season game. Guys couldn't make it through 16 last year. Now you're adding another game, and Dan Orvlosky, um, who was a journeyman backup quarterback, tweeted out talking about how the padded practices that they took away and all the snaps from those practices basically um, equates to that 17th game. And, dude, I don't, you, you shouldn't speak on that anyway because even though quarterbacks do get beat up, don't get me wrong, they don't take the beating that other positions do week in and week out. And I don't care how many practices that you got taken away a game game reps and practice reps is two totally different reps. In practice, we're not trying to hurt hurt each other. You're not going as hard in practice. Some people do, and they take it on as a game. But for the most part, it's a different intensity. So now that you done added a 17th game, and you add two teams to the playoffs, so now the playoff field goes from 12 teams to 14 teams. So... Let's say they had instituted that last starting last year, which is going to start in 2021. The Rams on the NFC side and Pittsburgh on the AFC side would have made the playoffs under this new format they got going forward. I mean, that's cool, but there's a reason why the Rams and Pittsburgh wasn't in the playoffs last year. It's because they didn't win the games that they needed to win in order to get in. I'm fine with that. I think it waters down the product by you putting two more teams into the playoffs. So now almost half the league goes to the playoffs. I don't like it. And now also, for guys who are under contract, you're going to get they're going to get penalized now for holding out. Now you can't hold out. So like what Ezekiel Elliott did, he was under contract and he held out from the Cowboys. You're not going to be able to do that anymore. You're not going to be able to flex what little leverage that you had anyway. You don't have much leverage as a player who's under contract, period. But now, the little bit of leverage you did have, they've taken that away from you. So, now let's talk about if they had have held out and were willing to miss games, what you could have gotten. And things that I think are way more important than what they did get. Number one, guaranteed contracts. NFL contracts are the worst contracts in all of professional sports. You might as well write an NFL contract on toilet paper because that's what it's worth. Anytime you see an NFL contract, don't look at the total numbers because that doesn't mean anything. So say a guy, he signs four years, $130 million. That $130 million shouldn't concern you at all because that player is not going to see that $130 million. I guarantee you that. What you need to pay attention to is the portion that's guaranteed his signing bonus and what's been guaranteed. Therefore, you know exactly. So four years, 130 million, 75 million guaranteed. You know for certain he's getting that 75 million. So why would they need guaranteed contracts, you say? So let's look at uh, Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd was just cut by the Chicago Bears. And had he been not, I think he was cut yesterday. Yeah, today's um, today's the 18th. He was cut yesterday, the 17th. If he had still been on the roster today, 
he would have got $13.5 million. But because it wasn't guaranteed, they cut him yesterday, and he doesn't see a dime of that money. Now, how was that fair? Now, let's take Jordan Reed, tight end from the Washington Redskins. Now, granted, Jordan Reed has stayed hurt pretty much his entire career, but his talent is unquestioned. He had Hall of Fame-level talent. He just could not stay healthy, had a lot of nagging injuries, um, and he's had a few concussions. But they cut him earlier this year because he was going to be due $17 million. And because they cut him, it wasn't a guaranteed portion of his contract. He won't see a dime of that money. But my thing is, Jordan Reed, even though he was hurt, he got hurt on company time. He got hurt playing football. He didn't. Get, he wasn't out acting a fool and got hurt. He got hurt on the company's time. But because he was hurt on company's time now, they don't have to compensate him for that time. They're able to cut him, and now he has to go look for work elsewhere. Like, essentially... Nobody might not be interested in him because of his past head injuries, and now his career could be over. Hopefully, he saved his money, and he's invested and done the right thing, so he won't have to work a regular job the rest of his life, of course. But that's what you should have fought for as a player. You should have fought for guaranteed contracts. Next, you should have fought for taking away the franchise tag. The franchise tag does not benefit the player at all. All it does is benefit the team. I mean, look at Derrick Henry. The Tennessee Titans paid Ryan Tannehill after eight games. And he they went to the AFC title game. Ryan Tannehill shouldn't have been paid. They should have paid Derrick Henry. And then probably tagged Tannehill. That's what they should have done. But they feel they devalue running back. And running backs have been devalued over the last decade or so. And quarterback's value has skyrocketed. I get that. But Ryan Tannehill is middle of the pack at best. There's a reason that they were able to get him from the Miami Dolphins for a six-round pick, which is really nothing. And so now you franchise tag Derrick Henry, and so now Derrick Henry has no security. Any given play, it can be over for a professional athlete, depending on what sports he plays and how uh, demanding it is. But for most of them, they play in a sport where or even if you're not playing in the sport, anything can happen to you at any given time on this planet and you won't be able to play the sport that you love. And so now Derek right now has no security. He's on a one year, uh, one year franchise tag. And so they can hold him on that and make him play on that and then come back next year. And if they don't want to pay him long term, tag him again and make him play on that. And depending on if he like, let's say he makes the Pro Bowl, I think. To the next two years on that tag, that third year, I don't think they can tag him. But he, so one of the years, let's say he goes to the Pro Bowl next year, he don't. They could tag him a third year, and they could basically get put him on one-year deals until they've used him up and then ship him off to another team. And he never get his big payday. Now, he'll make some money on the franchise tag, but let's say they tag him and he tears his ACL midseason, and they draft another back move forward, and now he has to go look for money elsewhere. He never gets the payday that he's deserved. But they want to pay Tannehill. The Tennessee Titans went to the AFC title game off their defense, their running game, and special teams. Yeah, Tannehill had his moments, but that ain't throw for over 100 yards in none of their playoff games at all. And Tennessee's going to find out next year. They're going to find out because he's going to be middle of the pack at best. He's going to have his peaks. 
He's going to have his lows. But for the most part, he's going to be middle of the pack. But the guy who's the driving force behind you making it to the AFC title game hasn't been properly compensated. I mean, and then look at Dallas with Dak Prescott. Jimmy Garoppolo got paid after seven games. Carson Wentz got paid and hasn't won a playoff game and hasn't stayed healthy for a full season since he's been in the league. Jared Goff had one good season, um, took his team to the Super Bowl, and they paid him. But Dak Prescott, you, you don't want to pay him? You could make an argument that he's on par with all of those guys. Or you can make an argument that he's better than some of them. But they don't want to pay him. I watched um, Undisputed with Skip and uh, Shannon Sharp. You know, they left out of the studio and they were recording uh, from uh, Skip Bayless's home. And they were talking about this. And they said something that I always noticed, but just never really paid much attention to it. But nothing good ever comes out of tagging players. Say it fractures the relationship between management and the player. And I believe that. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys had a chance to get this right early on, and they should have paid them. But what did they do? They waited. Now the prices went up, and now they're haggling over a couple million right now when they should have just went on ahead and paid him. I mean, right when he was eligible to be paid, they probably should have paid him. Put him on a, a shorter deal, probably put him on a four-year deal and with, you know, 28, 27 million, something like that, and just guaranteed all of it. And then, you know, of course, give yourself, you know, outs or whatever, do whatever you need to, to protect yourself. But they should have went ahead and did that. Now, instead of being able to give him right up under 30 or something like that, or maybe 25 uh, a few years ago, now he's looking for upwards of 33 per. So they, they need to pay him. Now, and like I said, it's not about who's the best. It's not about who deserves what. None of that. It's about who's up next. Dak is free. And they don't want to pay him right now. I mean, it's going to, I don't think this is going to end anytime soon. And then when it does end, I don't think it's going to be pretty. Now, I'm pretty sure they're probably going to pay Dak because it would be dumb to let him get away. But I don't think the relationship between him and Jerry Jones is going to be the same after this um, ordeal. But that's why players should have fought to take the franchise tag away. Also, yeah, you got 1.5% more in revenue. You probably could have got more. You could have probably got 50%. You was at 47. You bumped up to 48.5. I would have fought for 50%. Hey, y'all get half. We get half. Because without this, without us, you have nothing. So give us 50. You take the other 50. But it's selfishness, man. Selfishness, I would say ignorance. And they don't care. It's, it's They are all about self. And I can't remember um, what player it was. I think he was a former Green Bay Packer. And um, he played DB for him. I can't remember his name. Um, and I should have saved a tweet. But he said that you're going to be a former football player longer than you are going to be a current football player. And that's how you should set up your moves. But that's why, because current players don't care about former players and what affects the players that's coming in after them or ones who came before them is the reason why they're in the state they're in right now. Think about it. The NFL had to settle that billion dollar lawsuit 
with the head injuries and CTE and, you know, care for players after they retired or whatever. They were the only league, I think, who had to go through that, at least publicly. I've never heard uh, former NBA players with their grievances as far as them not getting proper, prop, proper medical care or things like that or player safety and them withholding information. Not the NBA, not the MLB, uh, not the NHL. If they have, it's not. it hasn't been a public feud. And I've never seen it, don't know about it. If it was, it was in the past. I'm too young for it. But the NFL, it was on display for the world to see. So I, this CBA is it's just like the one they signed, I think it was 2011, when Ryan Clark, former Pittsburgh safety, said that they're going to regret that deal. And they regretted it the, the length of the deal. They regretted after signing it. And they didn't get any better for this past deal. But hopefully, you know, you live and you learn. Hey, you got to smoke weed. And you don't have to practice as much. Dude, really? Come on, that's what you were impressed by? you like, oh man, sign me up for that. Even I know. Me not even being an NFL player, even I know. I'm like, if you're willing to give me that, if I hold out, I can get much more. But the owners knew what they were doing. These are smart men. They've been in there. Most of them are businessmen. That's how they made their money. And they know they knew what to do. Probably expert negotiators, although they have teams who are expert negotiators and knew what to put out there in order to grab the, the modern day player. Because it's easy. Find out what's important to the modern day player. And offer him that or something around that. But what we want and what we're going to ask for, tell them, say, hey, this is what we want. We know you don't want this, but we'll give you this in the meantime. Something that they never cared about in the first place. You really think the NFL cared about a player being coked up or a player being high when he was playing? No, they don't care. They've never cared. But for moral reasons, for public perception, they had to act like they care. Just like they don't care about domestic violence. They have to act like they care. But they don't. They never did. So giving it up was nothing to them. Oh, yeah, I want to smoke? Okay. You can smoke all you want to. You can do shrooms. You can be coked up. All of that. It don't matter. Do what you want to do. They never cared in the first place. Because from what we've seen, um, some, of our, some of the best players um, in NFL history were on drugs. They were coked up. And I'm sure they've done their studies and know by and large that the drug use and drug addiction, whatever, doesn't really affect a player's performance on the field. I mean, look at Josh Gordon, one of the poster childs for marijuana and him being suspended. I don't know how many times uh, behind marijuana and drugs didn't affect Josh, Josh's performance. He was balling, especially when he was in Cleveland. Dude was balling. I synced it. He had 295 against my Jaguars, 295 receiving yards. Dude killed us, and I'm sure he was high as a kite. So that didn't matter. Didn't matter at all. You got to practice less. Cool. That's fine. Less wear and tear on your body, baby. Okay, that's what you want to do. You don't want to practice as much? Fine. But you're going to give us the 17th game. Appreciate you. Holla at your boy. But, man, I think that's all I got for the day. Um, I hadn't did a podcast in a few weeks. And even though I'm not quarantined or anything like that, so I'm not in the house, uh, I'm stuck in the house, 
which I go, I'm still working. So I go from work to back home because for my job, we got to have people here. They haven't shut it down. So, but we've kept it. It's only a skeleton crew, only a few people. And we keep track of where everybody goes and keep everything wiped down and try to be as safe as possible. Um, please remember to wash your hands. Um, I've seen some tweet about uh, antibacterial soap or soap doesn't kill the virus because um, it's a virus. It's not a bacteria and all that bull crap. No, people, wash your hands. Wash your hands because wash your hands because uh, they say it uh, gets into the oil, the, um, the oils that's on the skin. And when you wash your hands, it strips your hands of the oils. So that kills the viruses. So don't listen to a lot of these false reports. Even some of the ones, even on TV, man, it, it, they're what they're doing is they're what they're call, going to cause is mass hysteria. It's going to be a, a panic. And I hope it never comes to that. But like I said, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And that's because people are not listening to just the basic instructions that are being given. I mean, it's easy. Social distancing, keeping six feet away from people, coughing into your elbow, your sleeve, whatever, um, wiping down, especially hard surfaces because it lives on hard surfaces. Um, you know, different stuff like that, man. But um, if we do go to a lockdown where I mean, it's minimal movement and people can't leave their house, man, um, that is not going to be good for a lot of people because you cabin fever is real i mean i get it when i have my days off from work like we just had spring break off and we had like nine days off after about the fourth or fifth day you know you start to itch and you're like i might not necessarily want to go to work but got to get out this house hopefully we get some sports back man hopefully soon i mean hopefully the nba can um get kicked up um as soon as possible but seeing those uh, four Nets players just tested positive for the virus. I'm pretty sure every team is going to test all their players. Um, so I think that's going to set them back a little bit. But, I mean, one thing, my takeaway is that this is real. I mean, we have so many conspiracy theories. Uh, people joke about so much stuff. But, I mean, once you see places shutting down um, that normally would stay open, regardless of what's going on, that's a problem. I mean, it's real. You got a casino shutting down. Oh, that, it's real. It's an issue. Food places shutting down. Sports are shutting down. They're canceling big events, canceling small events. It's real, and people should treat it as such. You know, um, one of the best pieces of advice I heard um, is some professor, and uh, he specializes in disease. I got, I, I got to remember to write this stuff down so I have people names so you can go look these people up. But he talked about how people should act as though. Act as though they already have the disease. So act as though you already have it. So and when you act like you already have it, then you won't spread it to other people. You know, you self isolate, you keep yourself inside or, you know, do whatever you need to do um, as though you already have it. But I mean, I mean, people just stay safe out there. And um, hopefully, you know, we make it through this sooner rather than later. But I mean, until then, you know, it is what it is. Just, you know, listen to the directives and, you know, we'll make it through. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. Um, I'm going to try to put out some more podcasts. Um, definitely what I wanted to do, too, was to start recording 
um, little short videos on my phone and posting them to my Instagram, my Facebook, and my Twitter when uh, different things pop off and just, you know, do like that. Just give a, a little bit of my reaction to what's going on. And then um, depending on what it is, probably I'll talk about it in that week's podcast. You know, so if you want to hear more about whatever it is I post a video about, just tune into the podcast that I'll put out for that week. Um, yeah, man. But hey, stay safe, wash your hands, uh, self-isolate, social distancing, all that good stuff, people. But until next time, I'll talk to you guys later. Peace.